This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I just want somebody to share my It's life. almost like playing house. I'm trying to get all these emotional needs through these quick interactions. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Today's episode is brought to you by my Dating Accelerator Group Program, the new and improved 10-week version of my most popular group coaching program, is launching in September. You can find out more about the Dating Accelerator at DamonaHoffman.com group. Happy Sexual Health Month, lovers. <laughs> I know you were just thinking, what month is it? Oh, yeah, it's Sexual Health Month. It starts September 1st. And I know you're all grown adults, so I'm not going to make this a middle school sex ed talk, even though you sh definitely should do your research and make sure you're keeping yourself safe, healthy and satisfied. You know, no glove, no love, all that jazz. But today we are going to talk about another important issue regarding your sexual health how to feel more emotionally satisfied, how to figure out what you're looking for in a partner, and how to ask for what you need. Like literally, we cover the words that you need to say to ask for consent or to tell someone when something is good or not so good for you. So this episode does get a little bit raunchy. And if you're listening now in the car with kids or your mom, you might want to get those earbuds out now. I'll be talking to Shelby Sells, certified love, sex, and life coach, whose mission is to unpack your emotions and learn the tools for healthy relationships. She's collaborating with Ashley Madison, yes, the Ashley Madison dating site, on a cool new campaign called Sexual Health is Wealth. And she has a wealth of sexual health knowledge to share. But first, a little foreplay with the headlines. Are video dating apps the end of online dating as we know it? And Channing Tatum, thirst is the worst. What you can learn from his social media orbiting of a crush. Then in Dear Demona, I'll answer your questions like, do you sound like a demanding jerk in your dating profile? And you're not attracted to your dating app match. Should you still give it a go? I told you it's going to be a hot one. Okay, lovers, let's dish. D's dating dish. Bustle had a fascinating article that asked, are video first dating apps the end of swiping? They profiled a new dating app called Teleport, which offers five-minute, invite-only micro-dates with people who share common interests, passion, and beliefs. So kind of think like old-school AOL chat rooms, if you know what I'm talking about, but like with video. 
The co-founders are the ripe old age of 25 years old, and they are looking to change swipe culture. They want to move away from inauthentic swiping experiences. And they say video dating is a screening tool that saves daters time, money, and emotional investment, which I totally agree with. Obviously, you hear that a lot on the show. But the thing that I kind of take issue with is this idea of video dating being a step that you can skip right to without some sort of framework for a date or for consenting to be matched or for some sort of communication to happen first. So the way this particular app works, it gives influencers and communities a chance to host their own virtual events. So, you know, you can find things like digital nomads or queer in here in NYC. And then you, as the user, can filter by age, location, and identity. And then you pay for the event, which I think is really cool. I feel like, ah, oh, we're almost here. But with the video dating component, I think sometimes people forget that it's actually more intimate than a dating profile. It's more intimate than meeting someone IRL at a bar or, you know, a mixer or something like that, because you're inviting them into your space. You're inviting them into your home. And while I am a huge fan of using video dates to screen your dates, to make sure that before you actually go out to meet them in person, that you have some sort of chemistry, that there's some sort of connection that's worth pursuing there, I think sometimes we forget that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So when you show up for these video dates, are you showing up putting your best foot forward and presenting yourself in the way that you want to be seen by other daters? Or are you just, is it another thing where it's like, you know, swiping TikTok and you're like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> and you are just looking for entertainment because I think a lot of people will show up like that and seeing what's out there. So the pluses are that it does shortcut the process. I know, like, as they said in this article, a lot of people match and then they get into the chat phase and they don't know what to say to move it forward. So they feel like it's more authentic and intentional to just jump right into a video chat. But I would say that that actually adds more anxiety because it's not just I can take time to think of what I want to say and to be charming and witty in my messages. It's like suddenly you're on and you're having to jumpstart a conversation on video with a complete stranger. That said, it's only five minutes, so it can't be that painful. It's five minutes of your life. But I almost wish that there was something in between. Like you can't go right into the video chat experience. And if you haven't done the setup to get to that place and to be in the right headspace and to to think about what your background is and how you're presenting yourself, what you're wearing, what you look like, like you look different on a video screen than you do sitting face to face when someone can see you, you know, in 360 dimensions. So I'm not sure we're ready to just dive right into the deep end of video. I don't know that I agree with Bustle that video first dating apps are the end of swiping, but I love that there are alternatives. I love that we're looking to solve problems. The problem is people don't know what to say in the text. The problem is that people are not comfortable yet going out and meeting IRL. I was like, this is so funny because this, this tool is basically just recreating what we have in the real world, but in the virtual space. <laughs> Love it. But at the same time, I think there will be 
in-person dating experience is returning hopefully soon. I have to believe that. So where does an app like Teleport fit or where does your video chat dating life fit? I think you should try out different things, different kinds of apps, different venues for meeting somebody. And I think you should figure out what works for you, but make sure you're going in with the right mindset and the right preparation. Well, Channing Tatum is trying different venues for meeting people. (laughs) You may have seen that Channing and Zoe Kravitz made some headlines this week riding bikes in New York City. So, of course, everybody's talking. Everybody's saying, who is Channing dating? Who is Channing having a crush on? It's really funny to me because my husband actually worked with Channing on a TV project. And he was saying it is really wild. Like the thirstiness for Channing is unparalleled. They got cornered in a lobby of a building here in Los Angeles and had to like sneak out through the back elevator because there were hordes of women like literally like a movie. There were hordes of women chasing down Channing Tatum. And I love thinking of my husband, who's like a total introvert and not not that kind of guy at all, like running through the halls with Channing trying to escape these thirsty ladies. But what we don't think of when we see Channing Tatum running from running from the masses is that Channing Tatum is doing chasing on his own. People are noticing that they're out together and then seeing what Channing is doing on social. He is on Instagram, of course. But here's the kicker. He started following not one, not two, but four fan accounts of Zoe Kravitz, which makes me just wonder all sorts of questions. Like, why? First of all, why? (laughs) The fan accounts. It's not even her accounts. It's fan accounts. I just, I'm trying to get into the headspace of Channing Tatum. And it made me think people may be looking at your social media too. So I just want to kind of give you an overview of the landscape so that you know and you can choose what you want to be visible and what you don't want to be visible. So I want to remind you, Facebook likes. Like if you're like me and you've had a Facebook account for what, 10, 12 years, you probably have likes on there for shows or bands or political outlets that you don't even realize are still there on your account. Mm? So after the show, I want you to go back and recheck all the things that you like. Make sure it still represents the human you are today. I had this experience when I was working with a celebrity matching for her for a TV show. And one of the people that we were thinking of matching her with, we found had all of these likes from the absolute opposite end of the political spectrum that she's on. And we really had to think, do we want to set this person up with a date who clearly seems to be completely opposed to her in her political beliefs. And of course, we're jumping to conclusions. We don't know that it necessarily represents his beliefs. Maybe he's doing research. I don't know. But all of that information that is publicly available on your social platforms is out there. And you got to really think about what it says about you. You need to think about what you're liking on Twitter People will go through your likes and see, oh, what is she into? What is she liking? They'll see who else you follow on Instagram, just like we did with Channing. There's YouTube video history and comments that they can search. And if you are going to LinkedIn, say, to see, like, does this person really work at this place that they say they work? How much money do they really make? You you know that they can see who went to their LinkedIn profile. Okay, so let's just tread carefully in the 
social media space because it really is an extension of your identity. And sometimes those those things that you say through your likes or through your posts that are set out of context can be interpreted differently than they would be if you actually said them to a person or discussed them in real-time communication. If anyone here has their social profile linked to their dating profile, I highly recommend that you unlink it. People think it's a shortcut, like, oh, I don't need to I don't need to say so much. Then they can know what I'm about and then we can see if we're a match or not. But I think it's too much too soon. And if you are dating on an app the right way, you're curating how much information you're sharing up front. Don't forget just safety. You link your accounts and then you post in your stories that you're hanging out at this place. Like that's when we start transferring from digital stalker to real stalker. So I just I I just wanted to caution you on how to use social media effectively for dating and just how to be smart because you probably don't realize some of these actions that you're taking that may be putting you in harm's way, that may be preventing you from being able to connect with someone, that may be preventing you from putting your most authentic self forward. And we got to think about it because now your entire online identity is actually part of your dating profile. I love going deep on this show, but I love it even more when I get to work with clients and work them through these dating challenges in a closed and intimate environment. So if you love hearing my insights about dating and listening to my solutions to the common dating questions on the show, but you're not sure where to start in implementing these tips yourself, let me help you. I'm walking my Dates and Mates listeners step-by-step through my dating plan in the new and improved Dating Accelerator Group program. You can sign up now at DemonaHoffman.com slash group and payment plans are available. How do you know if it's right for you? Well, if you're a single person of any gender or orientation who needs a mind, body, and spiritual reset on dating, or if you're feeling isolated coming out of the pandemic and looking to connect, if you thrive in a group environment with supportive, like-minded people, and you want some more support from me, someone who has done this for over 15 years and mapped it all out for you, and you want now to be your time, the time that you finally meet your person then you're invited to accelerate your love life, improve your dating confidence, shortcut disappointment, and attract a deeper, more fulfilling relationship. So don't let this opportunity pass you by. You can sign up now at DemonaHoffman.com slash group. Look for the link in the show notes. Shelby Sells is going to make sexual health and wellness sexy again in just a moment. Stick around. And we are back with Shelby Sells, a certified love, sex, and life coach based in New York City. This month, she's doing a really cool campaign in partnership with Ashley Madison called Sexual Health is Wealth, where they have published some really interesting data on sexual satisfaction among couples today. Shelby's mission is to empower authentic, intimate connection. And today, she's going to tell us how to do just that. Please help me give big smooches to Shelby Sells. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so glad you're here because it is Sexual Health and Wellness Month starting tomorrow, if you're listening to this on release day. Woohoo! I almost said it's coming. <laughs> I was like, but um, Wait, I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna step in that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. gonna be a lot of innuendo. Yeah. 
in this episode, I'm sure. But I just feel like the work that you do is so valuable and so important because, look, whether you're you're listening and you're in a relationship or you're single and hoping to be in a relationship or you're single and hoping not to be in a relationship, you have to know how to get your needs met, how to set boundaries, how to communicate and all that stuff, right? Oh, I got some snaps from you. Yes. Absolutely. You are saying exactly how I feel about it all. Mm -hmm. Let's just start, first of all, with there's an article you wrote on sextimacy. Yes. I love that word. First of all, can you define sextimacy for everyone? Yeah, I can. So the most basic definition of it is the effort to find emotional intimacy through sex. A lot of folks experience this, especially if you are single um, or you're in like situationships, the gray areas of dating and hooking up. It's almost like playing house or something. I'm trying to get all these emotional needs just through these quick interactions sexually, maybe with new partners, if that makes sense. It does. And I really want to drill in and fine tune the difference here because there may be people who are in, and I know you've experienced this, you write about it in the article, experiencing this intense sexual relationship that actually didn't have the emotional intimacy behind it. What are the signs of that? Oh, that's a good question. The signs are going to be little to no communication. I think it's pretty easy to tell when a relationship is purely sexual or if it's going more towards dating because you generally communicate with each other and plan dates. You know, there's a lot of communication in between um, versus sexual relationships are there. They revolve around the sex. So I guess it's kind of figuring out and defining what is coming up the most in this relationship. If it is purely just a sexual thing when you're linking up, it's probably that. And so if that's the case, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's it's about having realistic expectations on the kinds of relationships that you're in, being able to have awareness around that and understanding from hopefully both parties to make it as successful and pleasurable as possible. That is so key what you just said. And I know you said it, it you know, it, sh- it should kind of be obvious, like you should know. But I-, I find that a lot of times people get caught up into in the fantasy or the hope of what the relationship can turn into. And then it's easy to confuse it because you're like, well, I'm having sex with this person. They tell me that I'm beautiful. We have this exchange but it's missing this whole foundation. So I'd love to give people the language today of some e- some easy ways if they're beginning a dating situation, a sexual relationship, a friends with benefits, whatever it is. I think we have to be able to find our voice and communicate boundaries, communicate consent. And you started to do it in such a an approachable way. Can you help us with some of these like phrase starters? Everybody get your pen and paper ready because I want you to like write this down and actually use these words because Shelby's giving it to us right now. I myself am so guilty of falling in love with someone's potential or like you said, you know, getting caught up in the fantasy. That's what kind of complicates things. Relationships uh, are definitely not black and white. Life is complicated. People are complicated. What is important is clarity and clarification. But what makes getting clarity complicated is because people don't 
always want to know the answer or there's a lot of fear behind like behind asking for what you want or asking where someone's at and ultimately being rejected. And that's what keeps us in kind of these um, maybe insecure states or just like feeling unable to articulate and ask for what we truly want. So (laughs) what I do and what I think is important is having these conversations before you get into the bedroom or anything. Like at this point, I'm turning 30 this year and in my dating, I just became very clear and maybe it's a little blunt for some people, but I'm ultimately like, you know, where are you at in your dating journey? What are you looking for? What are you open to? How do you feel asking them how they feel about communication? I think emphasizing, oh, communication is really important to me. I'm not closed off to just a purely physical relationship or I'm only looking to be in a serious committed relationship. Obviously, like no pressure first date, but I'm just letting you know what my general interests are. Consent, I think, comes up very early on. So let's start with consent language because people say to me, oh, it's not sexy to ask for consent. Yeah, this comes up all the time in my work as well. But I... I'm not trying to be problematic, but I think that it is sexy. Like there's nothing more sexy to me than somebody who is upfront about respecting my personal boundaries. You know what I mean? My experience as a cis woman is a lot of folks kind of trying to take advantage of my personal space or my boundaries. People trying to kiss me on dates when I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So it's really sexy to me, actually, when a guy or, you know, whoever it is that I'm hooking up with is like, and if we're making out like how, like, can I touch you? here or like asking what my turn-ons and turn-offs are, how comfortable I'm feeling on the date. Can I kiss you? Would you want to make out? Can I touch you here? Or if we're hooking up, I really appreciate checking in, but being like, how does this feel? Does this feel good? You know, how's the pressure? Just kind of checking in, you know, which again, it seems a little maybe not sexy, but I think once you start implementing it into your relationships, you'll find that it's actually really hot, especially during hookups to be checking in with one another because it also means you're both fully present and in the moment. Mm, that's such a good point. And you you mentioned that this is a particular challenge for women. You know, it's not, it just doesn't always feel safe in the world as a woman, right? And especially in dating, I find that there's a lot of confusion right now. We have a lot of great guys that listen to this podcast that are just like, I don't actually know what the boundary is. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Do I go in for the kiss or is that off putting? Or so just even reminding our listeners that asking for consent is sexy. And if you reframe your, your thinking around that, you can get your needs met more easily. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, look, if you're confused about something, ask a question, (laughs) you know, period. And whatever your wording around it is, I think clarity, communication, these help build trust. And there's nothing I want more than to feel trusting and comfortable and safe during my sexual interactions. If you're confused in class, you're going to raise your hand and be like, hey, so is one plus one equals two? I just want to make sure we're on the same page. That really shows that you care and that you are, you know, wanting to prioritize your partner's pleasure. So as we're talking about prioritizing your partner's pleasure, 
You are doing a new campaign with Ashley Madison, Sexual Health is Wealth, and it launches on September 4th. And and this is really talking about the pleasure gap. So as we're on the topic of women like setting boundaries, asking for what they need, it seems like there's a bit of a divide happening in the bedroom. Yeah. Tell us what you've seen there at Ashley Madison. Yeah. Well, one, I just want to say I'm really grateful to Ashley Madison because any company that is willing to prioritize sexual health, um, sexual health awareness, any education around sexuality in general is amazing because I think that for so many of us, I mean, gosh, I don't know what your sex ed was like, (laughs) but mine was definitely not inclusive to pleasure or, you know, anything really. Mine was scary, very intense and scary. (laughs) Yeah, agreed, agreed. And so what's really interesting is that Ashley Madison has so much data and information um, from women and marriages. What this study really revealed is that so many women feel sexually neglected in their marriage. Uh, It said 64%. And that just honestly blew my mind because I was like, wait, why are you getting into these marriages where you feel like not just like unsatisfied, but straight up neglected? Is that something that happens, you think, over time? And for our listeners who are mostly either dating or in the early phases of a relationship, are there things you recommend that they do to keep that part of their relationship alive? Oh, absolutely. It's sad because one, everyone deserves orgasms. Okay. I said it, but everyone deserves to feel pleasure, to feel wanted and desired by their partner. I mean, that really makes me feel like a woman and feel sexy and make me want to be a better partner in general. So sex and relationships are both dynamic. It's why I got into this field because they are not stagnant. It's not like, oh, hey, we met when we were in our 20s and everything that I was into then, I'm going to be into 20 years later. That is so unrealistic. (laughs) The beautiful thing about people is that we grow, we change, we like different things at different points of our life. Maybe some of those things stay the same and that's cool too, but it's about, you know, recognizing where you're at, yourself and with your partner and checking in about that. You know, I, I encourage my um, couples and my coaching, it's like renewing a lease, you know, (laughs) and however, you know, however frequently you want to renew, if it's every six months, every year, whatever, I think it's important to come back around and be like, Hey, where are we at? You know, and the more communication you have about it, I think the easier it becomes to then be like, Hey, babe, you know, like, I was reading this book and there was this scene in this book that kind of turned me on. And I was actually wondering if you'd be open to trying that, you know, using different references and it's keeping things alive versus kind of getting stuck. There was an interesting point that came from Ashley Madison's data that dishonesty in the bedroom is at the root of many unsatisfying relationships. But speaking up doesn't always yield desirable results. And I really want to focus on as many takeaways as I can for the Dates and Mates listeners, because that also kind of hurt my heart, Shelby, because if women are speaking up and they're still not getting their needs met, what are they saying? And how can we better communicate? Yeah. So the heartbreaking part is that the statistic says only 35% of women who speak up for what they need, get their needs met. And to me, I'm just like, dump him, girl. I'm like, 
<laughs> you know, just kidding, just kidding. But you know, we're all in relationships for different reasons. But I am an advocate, especially for women's pleasure, but for pleasure in general, because you know, you deserve it. And I think that asking for what you need, especially in the bedroom, is really complicated. It can be really scary, I think, especially as a woman, too. You were kind of hinting at this earlier. You know, it's very sensitive. And People don't always react well when talking about these topics and some people even act violently. So of course, if you're if you don't feel safe enough to communicate with your partner about what your needs are in bed, first of all, I would just say maybe it's time to reflect on what relationship you're in because safety is really, really, really important in general. And I would just give that a long, hard think. But I think that framework is everything in terms of asking what you need in bed. And that can look a lot of different ways. So instead of being like, I don't like it when you do this and putting your partner down, I think it's always great to start out asking for what you need with an affirmation. Like, babe, I can't believe that after all these years, you still turn me on. You are still as sexy as you were when we first got together. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, all right, where are we going with this? I'm all ears. You know what I mean? Like I'm fully subscribed. And then kind of leading it in with what you want, with what you desire and being like, I, I'm getting really curious about sexuality lately. I want to check in where you are with that. What do you like about our sex life? What do you think could change? Asking to have these conversations outside of the bedroom. I recommend them not, not during, but outside and even just being like, hey, do you want to have a playful conversation about sex? Or if you do seek uh, like a sex and dating coach, therapist, etc., telling your partner that you're doing that, then it's great. Then my clients are like, my sex coach gave me homework, babe. Like, <laughs> They're like, I need to help you study. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's actually great advice in for dating as well. I'm always trying to get our listeners to to inspire someone to show up for you. So rather than, than like you said, criticizing or telling like you must do this. <laughs> Although I guess that I've heard that that can be sexy too. Um, Again, it depends on your partner, you, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, does, it does. But it, if you approach it from that perspective, that's such an excellent, excellent way to enter into the conversation. And then they're really inspired to help you figure it out and help themselves figure it out too. Okay, girl, it's Sexual Health and Wellness Month. So one thing that I have to address for our single listeners is STIs. I'm not out here in these streets no more. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going around, but I know you did an episode of your podcast recently on dating with herpes and like, Y'all, stay in this conversation because this is really important. You're going to meet people who you really, really like, who have different experiences and stories that they're bringing to the table. And <laughs> I'm just curious, both from the perspective of if you have herpes and other STI, how do you communicate that? And if you meet someone who has an STI, but you're kind of scared about being intimate with them, is there a way forward? That's safe for both of you. I know. Big question. Big left turn there. First of all, my one of the main missions of the Ashley Madison campaign is to eliminate stigma and shame around talking about sex. You know, it's sex isn't always just all rainbows and butterflies and pleasure and da da da. You know, 
there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, it's up to you when you want to disclose. At the end of the day, you should feel safe and comfortable to disclose to your partner. And if you're not, then again, that is probably a red flag, you know, that maybe you shouldn't be getting intimate with them quite yet. If you're not feeling comfortable enough to disclose, I feel like I I do this on podcasts a lot. I'm like driving the same point over and over again. But that's why it's really important to pick partners that you feel safe enough, comfortable enough communicating with. Because here's the thing is, whether or not you are STI positive, you still deserve amazing mind-blowing sex. You deserve loving, healthy relationships. And STIs, that should not affect your self-worth at all. Again, easier said than done, but there are people in the world are gonna, who are going to love you for who you are, regardless of how you identify on really any level, you know, but specifically with this, with STIs. And you're going to save yourself a lot of time and heartache, making yourself aware of who's safe to talk to and who's not. And look, if someone doesn't feel comfortable after you share your disclosure with them, that's okay too. But then, you know, you're one step closer to finding somebody that, you know, is more aligned with who you are and ultimately what your goals are for sex and dating. Mm, So true. And there are also, there've been so many medical advancements Lately, I have been working with Gilead actually on some of their internal events, and I actually have gotten a huge education around HIV prevention and treatment. And I realized there are so many options that didn't exist even like 10 years ago. There's PrEP for for prevention, and there's a, a term in the HIV treatment community called U equals U, which means undetectable equals untransmittable. So actually with medication, people who have HIV can get their viral load down to the point where it's not detectable and can't be transmitted to a partner. So, you know, obviously go out and do your own research. I'm not saying, you know, just uh, throw caution to the wind and don't ask questions and just see what happens. But it just could offer you some peace of mind. You might want to do a little bit of research, but like, trust the person across from you if they disclose that they're going to have the information about how to keep themselves safe and keep you safe. Absolutely. And then do your own research. <laughs> Always. Literally took the words right out of, out of my mouth. You know, like I think if, if someone disclosed to you and you're like, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I'd love, you know, if you have any information that you would want to share, I'd love to learn as much as I can. And I'll do my own research as well. Because all you can do is educate yourself. At the end of the day, there's a lot possible. And I think that doing your own research is the best thing that you can do. Make sure that your sources are credible, please. And also, you know, I think that when we're talking about these topics, coming from a a place of love and open mindedness, and like, empathy and compassion is also really important. Because you don't know what people have been through. And you don't know the burden of carrying some of these things around, especially dealing with stigmas and, you know, you name it. These, again, are very sensitive subjects. But I think that when you're taking a lighthearted, safe, <laughs> loving, open-minded approach to it, you realize that they're not as scary as maybe you thought that they were originally. And um, 
I th- yeah, I think you'll have a lot more fun too. <laughs> I want people to have fun and me too. <laughs> I hope everyone will check out your podcast, especially that episode we just talked about uh, dating with herpes, but so much more on monogamy and polyamory and rules for dating and all, all these other topics that are so, so juicy. So that's the emotional check-in podcast. Check out shelbysellslove.com and also look out for that campaign from Ashley Madison at sexualhealthiswealth.com. Next up, your questions. How to be clear about your values in your profile without scaring potential matches away. And do men have it harder on dating apps? Do they? I'll tell you in a moment. Welcome back. Here is what's on your mind this week. Dear Demona, Demona, help me. A listener named V says, I love that you speak about values. And after the last four years, certain values are definitely on the forefront for me and will make a difference in choosing a partner. I am an LGBTQ plus ally, BLM, science is real kind of person. How do I communicate that on a profile without sounding like a demanding jerk? Here's the thing that people confuse in the profile process. The profile is your calling card. That's where you celebrate all the things that are great about you, where you can share your values without judgment. Of course, I mean, people are going to have judgment, but you don't have to hear it because what you're looking for it to do is to attract the people who are aligned with you. So I guarantee you, V, if you talk about being an ally, if you talk about BLM, you talk about you know, vaccine, science, I don't know how you interpret that. The people who are not aligned with that will run and hide. They will not swipe. They will not message. They will not want to engage with you. And the way you communicate that without sounding like a demanding jerk is by not saying something like, and I read this all the time in profiles, don't even contact me if you do not believe that love is love and science is real or what have you. Uh, Or by saying, uh, I'm only interested in dating people who are also this. That's a demand. An invitation is I do X, Y, and Z in my free time. And that is an explanation of your values and the things that you believe in and therefore are investing your time in. And that way you are inviting that person to join in the life that you have in following those beliefs and standing up for those values. If you feel like you're being a demanding jerk in your profile, you're probably doing too much and trying to make the profile do too much of the screening for you. Just let the profile celebrate who you are and what you stand for. Our next question comes to us from a listener we'll call L. He says, I have listened to a few of your shows recently. They've helped me get on my journey to understand myself and get back onto dating apps. Oh my gosh, that's like two of my top goals. So I'm so glad, Elle, that that is working for you. Elle says, I took a five-month break because dating became too stressful for me. Now I'm back on and the same stress returned. My biggest stress comes from that I seem to not match often. And when I do, I find after a second look that I am not attracted to her. Am I jumping the gun or should I stick to my instincts? Listen, Elle, we got to talk about your profile. First of all, because if you're feeling like you don't match often, then we either have a profile that doesn't really isn't clear enough about what you stand for or doesn't have photos that really show what you look like and all of the great things about you. So if you haven't taken me up on the offer for the free profile starter kit, 
I would definitely start there because this sounds like it's a profile problem. This sounds like we need to first fix the profile and then we can talk about some of the strategy and what happens when we're when we're matching. So once you've done that part, then let's talk about these attractions. It sounds to me, Elle, like you're also going a little bit too fast in the swipe and that maybe you're not making a connection because you're not swiping on the right people. If you are swiping so quickly that you don't even know if you're actually attracted to that person, that says that you're not putting enough emphasis on each of those individual swipes and then each of those conversations that happen after it. So slow it down, slow it down. And maybe you might even want to get off of a swipe app because every time the speed will get you, the speed will bring you the stress that you're talking about on dating apps. It'll bring you frustration. It'll make you feel like I'm swiping on all of these people and nobody is liking me because we're not taking a curated selective approach to who we're swiping on. And so then, yeah, it feels exhausting, Elle. It feels like you liked all of these people and then you, your response rate was nil because you weren't taking the time to really connect with the people who were the right match for you. So those are the two steps that I recommend. Our, the question you asked, am I jumping the gun or should I stick to my instincts? I think you should stick to your instincts, but you need to move your instincts up and you need to really share more about what you're looking for up front. And really, if your profile is as good as we can make it in the profile starter kit and potentially in the dating accelerator program, if you are so inclined to sign up for that, then you don't have to do so much work. It's stressful because you're doing too much. You're putting out so much effort and you're not getting the return that you want. So it feels like wasted time and that creates stress. Wasted effort creates stress. And I don't want you to do that anymore. So I'm happy to help you with that. And I appreciate that you came to me with your dating challenge. I appreciate that all of you listened to episode 376 of Dates and Mates. Make sure you check out Shelby Sells at shelbysellslove.com. Listen to her podcast, Emotional Check-In, and take a peek at the Sexual Health is Wealth campaign at sexualhealthiswealth.com. All those links will be in the show notes as always. And the link to get the Dating Accelerator. We start in late September, but I want you to be in the know. I want to help you step-by-step through this dating process. And I know I have the tools to do it at demonahoffman.com slash group. We'll be back again next week with Rachel D'Alto, who's going to be talking about her new book, Relatable, How to Connect with Anyone, Anywhere, Even If It Scares You. If you're feeling a little social anxiety, then this is definitely the show for you. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.